All right, hey folks. Um, this is a this is our first attempt at a special episode of our MusicCast podcast. Um, we are some of you saw on social media, or we talked a little bit about it last week. But we are taking advantage of alliteration, and we're making May a uh, music and media month, um, and taking a chance to chat with a bunch of different people that come from different backgrounds and things like that about media and just how music is used in it. So we're going to do a full week of kind of special things. And this week is uh, video games specifically. We have a lot of different things and extra stuff planned for the week, um, kind of culminating in a live interview on Thursday with a Grammy winning uh, music composer for a video game and films. So that should be a lot of fun. And you should definitely pop in on that special one on Thursday, not our normal Wednesday. But to kick off the week, we decided that we would start as close to the beginning of the roots as possible and talk about um, some Mario and some Nintendo stuff. And we thought we would just leave it with Marissa and I first to start so you guys get an idea of where our basis has come in because we're going to try and bring other people in so that we get different perspective. But um, we figured we would start with us. So first, it would be good to know our backgrounds both musically seems a little redundant because we teach most of you, but um, musically and video game wise, uh, we wanted to give you a little bit of our background. So Marissa, why don't you go first? Because it'll make me sound cooler. <laughs> okay, so um, I basically have no background in playing video games, which is why he just said I was going to sound so cool. Um, but no, I think I grew up playing like my dad's old Sega. We used to play like Sonic and um, my brother was really into video games so um, and my sister actually so they have all of the newer stuff but I don't actually play any of them with them I think I uh, played Mario Kart maybe like back in middle school and um, I got really good at Guitar Hero when I got my wisdom teeth out so that's the extent of my video game knowledge Um, also I want you to know if you're not watching the video of this that um, I'm wearing a red shirt with overalls and Kevin is in a green shirt. Um, so that's the extent of my video game knowledge. That's that's it. I did actually. I don't know where it is. I didn't even tell you this, but um, there exists a photo somewhere in in my freshman year of college. Duquesne had like we had the bibs for marching band. They were yeah. blue. They were like the blue bibs. Um, my roommate and I were both in marching band and we were Mario and Luigi. Actually, we were Mario, Luigi, and then our other friend uh, dyed a pair of overalls that he bought at a thrift shop, purple, and he was Wario. So there somewhere exist photos of us being the three of them. Um, thankfully, I was Mario. Oh man. Um, we made, it's a missed opportunity because I'm shorter. Um, and yeah, so it would just work <laughs> this time, but we blew it. Um, and the facial also, hair like, is sitting down over zoom. So that's <laughs> also true. Yeah. Um, so I am borderline the exact opposite of Marissa in terms of video game knowledge and things like that. I don't know. I know that I started playing either with Sega or Nintendo. I remember for some reason, I guess my, my parents didn't want, uh, they didn't want the video games like in the living room, rightly so. So there was like a TV in my parents' room that like had an old Nintendo hooked up to it and we used to randomly play it. And I just kind of, it was like a way to kill time for a while. But as I got older, um, I, I've played for like a million different reasons and things. I still play 
now I'll do, I kind of lump everything in, in terms of, I play it for enjoyment. I play it to keep in touch with like my brother who lives in Arizona, my brother who's at home right now. And then I'll also just play by myself just to, I think it's become like a really fascinating way to tell stories in different ways and stuff like that, just away from books and movies and TV. I think it brings this kind of cool layer in terms of the fact that you have to control it all happening, which I find very interesting. So um, I play arguably too much, but I play (laughs) quite a lot and pay a lot of attention to all the elements of it for sure. Yeah. And I'm just going to plug tomorrow's episode. We're going to talk about that a little bit, I think, um, on Tuesday's podcast. Which part? Me playing too much well i'm sure that'll be an integral part of every podcast this week but um no like the video games as art and literature that kind of thing yeah so what we wanted to try and do for this because it's um it's funny because when we try and plan these different things or like this week kind of thing marissa said oh we could do a a whole video game week and she goes i don't know how we would break it down and like i don't know what we would talk about whereas in my mind i just think there's too many things to talk about like i don't know how i could do this um so we tried to structure certain things and different stuff and obviously the the intent of the podcast the whole thing is to do music-based discussions and things like that so we're trying to use that as our frame um while we experiment with these kind of like one-off special sort of video or episode things because from that we might continue to do these outside of May or something like that, but we just wanted to experiment with it. And then over the course of the week, we're going to, um, we're going to have some student guests on. We're going to have people that are not as involved musically just to get different perspectives in terms of what they think or listen to musically. Um, and just try and get different perspectives. Cause I do think it's one of those things where, um, I mean, it's very similar to movies. Like you can either pay immense attention to the music or you can pay, no attention to the music and it it affects the experience you have but it doesn't mean you can have a good or bad one or solely a good or bad one either way so we're just going to explore it in different ways yeah should be good so today we're kicking things off with um 8-bit and chiptune music with mario kind of being our framework for it yeah so we wanted to start kind of towards the beginning um I minimally, I look up, I feel like I go through waves like every two or three years. I think I want to try and do a little bit of like an 8-bit specific segment in like music tech or something like that and talk about how the music's made. And I I get a little closer and I like dabble in it. We do like a one-off lesson and then we back away. And I've never gone massively um, into it in a class. So it was kind of cool for us to say that we wanted to start there. And um I think what's most interesting in terms of Mario is how important the melody becomes. And um, so Marissa did a little independent research also in terms of the topic of it. (laughs) On Um, everything this week. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of learning happening in our shared Google doc. But um, so like Marissa, what did you say you found most interesting in terms of 8-bit specifically in terms of the idea of it? I thought it was particularly interesting, I guess, this is of course how it started but i never really thought about it um so like 8-bit music when i think of video game music that's what my brain jumps to immediately it's that classic you know mario sega sound but i didn't realize there was a finite amount of possibilities that the processor on these specific consoles could handle 
So as I was reading, you know, they were saying certain consoles could um, handle like three sounds at a time, but that was including things like sound effects. So anytime that like Mario would, you know, like pop up or do whatever, and there was a sound effect for that, that was taking away from the music. So these video game composers had to get like really, really creative with a finite number of pitches but then also be cognizant of all of the other sound effects and stuff that were being used on these original video games. I also think, um, cause, and, and back when games were starting, there was, there were elements of storytelling for sure, but like there was much less. And especially if you think from yeah. a Mario perspective, it's basically you start here, run across, jump over things, duck under things, do this until you get to the end and then it's over and done with. Um, and it, it's really interesting when you're not doing something environmentally or uh, you're not telling a story through text or speak or anything like that. Like um, silence is insanely uncomfortable in yeah. that, like, especially when you want something moving forward. So the fact that exactly like Marissa said, like, and when we say sounds, it's barely even sustains. Like most of the time there were little clips and kind right. of like blips in it. I think one of the three sounds they could make, cause they had like, I think they had chirps beeps they call them and then they had these things that they would clip sounds and it sounds like a hi-hat or a snare drum depending on where it is but it's literally oh, just cool. a sound that they like snip so you hear this like thing and it's it's literally like a sound maybe this long that they they cut all the middle out and compress it so you hear this little thing and that makes like a snare drum or a hi-hat sound to give you some kind of percussion feel <laughs> um but the whole thing was like this stuff had to go the entire time because if you stopped at any point um it felt really grating so everything was like everything was repetitive but everything had to be really active to the point that there was really no downtime um for the composers which is really interesting to think about too now with these 8-bit um tunes are they running primarily like the same song the whole time like is it basically a giant vamp or when you go to different worlds or different things were they composing different melodies so what kind of like the tried and true method and the one that everyone thinks back to is really Mario in a certain way. And if you watch, um, you know, they have like, there's, I think there's eight worlds. There's like four little levels in each world of Mario. Okay. So you have eight sets of four. Um, the tried and true thing that everyone refers back to is if you were to play the original Mario, um, the, uh, each level has like a different theme. And basically okay. those almost, they loop the entire level. And then some, to an extent, they almost like every underground level becomes the same music. Underwater levels become the same music. Things that are up in the clouds have the same music. And then they just use them over and over again. Okay. Um, and repeat them. So there's maybe like five or six, I could be wrong on the exact numbers, like quote unquote songs that come from the first Mario. Um, but the one everyone knows is the, is the first one. But I would, I would venture to say everyone knows without knowing that they know it. They know underwater, underground, and the regular Mario theme. Okay. They're like the standard ones. Look those up. Um, they're the cliche, they're the stereotypes that everyone plays yeah. all the time. Okay. Um, um, so I'll also add real quick, um, just for everybody, um, because we're like not a like super official podcast that we keep getting copyright claims when we play music so we're trying to avoid it a little bit so we would probably play those for you but um we can't right now so go check them out just look up world one of one from the original super barrier brothers and go through and you'll know the first three for sure 
Um, so one of the things we kind of, I find very interesting, and I actually found more interesting after looking farther into it was um, the melody is so iconic that I kind of thought, you know, we should do like a, we called it Mario Monday. And I thought like we can track the Mario theme from where it started all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, and I've learned that like, there's so many different themes almost to the point that like, it, it, it's kind of dumbfounding to me that the Mario theme is as iconic as it is because it really doesn't show up as a focal point in almost any other game except for the original one or two, um, which was interesting to me because it just, it becomes more of a, I think Mario composition becomes more of a style than it is actually a, uh, a song itself. Okay. Keep going. So, so, <laughs> so like, um, so my first thought in terms of, I actually thought to uh, Scott Schreer when we yeah. interviewed him, the first, uh, the first podcast episode, the one thing he said I thought was interesting when we talked about theme music is he said he always, he doesn't know why, but his like sweet spot is like six notes. Yeah. Um, so when you think the repetition and things like that, when you're limited to three sounds at a time, I think that from a compositional standpoint, I think that these these composers had to rely so heavily on the melody that the driving question had to always become like, am I making a good melody? Um, or the the other way to ask that, that I don't know if you would wanna ask that in like a commercial sense is, am I, am I making a melody that's interesting enough that someone's not gonna wanna put their head through the TV listening to this for like 10 hours in a row? Um, so, what I think is like when even it was so simplistic and it was so reeled back back then at the original like Nintendo stuff that I feel like if you have a theme that people recognize now that came from that, it has to be structurally so strong. Yeah. Um, so to kind of explain the idea of like different or the Mario composition style going forward, um, I tried to go through like the main Mario games, like, and there's basically one for each system. So like Nintendo 64, I was like, let me find the theme for that. Let me find the theme for uh, Mario Sunshine. Let me find it for Mario Odyssey or Mario Galaxy. Yeah. And none of them are that Mario theme, which is weird to me. But what yeah. they are is these very like bouncy and happy melodies that are like can be contained in a box like this and just repeat themselves as they go. Um, so it's almost like a it's almost like a compositional style that it seemed to become which i yeah. found interesting so i i want to elaborate on this because before we 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 started recording we were talking a little bit about this um i was reading first of all kind of a side note i was reading that this finite number of notes basically limited composers to work within um major keys so that's why like on mario there you really only hear like this happy-go-lucky music um but then the other thing that we were talking about before I got on was, um, I can't even remember now. This is horrible. Um, oh, the like 8-bit music and um, how it's not really like 8-bit is just a catchy name for this style and it's not really 8-bit music. So can you, can you like elaborate on what you were saying earlier? As best I can kind of. So like the 8-bit as a music term, I th my understanding of it is it's called that because um, 
the processor in like the little cartridge it wasn't really little back then but it was like right, right, right. Um, the cartridge that went into the nintendo like had a an 8-bit processor on it so it was it was kind of turned or coined as 8-bit music because that's what could be run on that processor um that sound that like like plunky kind of like beeping sound is more more correctly categorized as chiptune music at this point because of the the um like the digital sound to it and how it's compressed and different things like that so there's there's awesome uh there's awesome youtube channels out of people that do and they sometimes call themselves like 8-bit music things that they're not they're not like tried and true 8-bit music it's chip tune because it's compressed to sound kind of digital in certain ways but it's not true like it's it doesn't have that finite sort of yeah and the technical aspect of it that way i'm not 100 percent sure i just know that like the the processor itself inside like you said i think the big thing from that is that um i originally when i heard the story it was that they could only write music with three sounds happening simultaneously yeah but then there's the extra wrinkle of what you read in terms of you can it's not three sounds of music happening simultaneously it's three sounds happening at all um do you think that has anything to do with why so like i was watching um a bunch of mario youtube videos over the weekend and they don't at least in the early video video games unless this is just what i happen to stumble upon they they don't talk to each other they all pop up in those speech bubbles um part of it is to that extent and also because the sheer like um the sheer ability to save that much text that kind of text is like a lot of data so probably when you watch the original ones um there were maybe the two options that you would see is toad would say like congratulations on getting here but peach is in a different castle and it said that all the way until the end and then you find her and i'm pretty sure and she just says like thank i never got to the end because i wasn't good enough when i was a child (laughs) um she says like thank you for saving me like so text and dialogue is so massive um i was and it's like when we think here's your nerd moment this is your quiz after so like if you lay out kind of a lineage in terms of a timeline you have like um you have the original nintendo super nintendo nintendo 64 which by the way it's called 64 because it's 64 bits so when you're thinking okay so nintendo was 8-bit Super Nintendo was 16, and then Nintendo 64 was a big deal because they went from 16 to ah uh, okay. Um, and then like GameCube, and it keeps going from there. Um, right around the Wii ish, I'm a little wrong on my timeline right now, but like right around the Wii is like when uh, like a PlayStation 2 came out. Okay. And PlayStation on Friday we're going to talk about Final Fantasy stuff. Um, the PlayStation 2 Final Fantasy that came out was Final Fantasy 10 and I was watching something to like kind of prep for this week too. The big deal there was it was normal to record for a big game 300 lines of dialogue to put in the game. Final Fantasy 10 had 9000. Whoa. So like so things that's the very interesting thing if you like really look at the history of this stuff it went it's it's just like technology that we have now like it exponentially increases yeah. so we went from being able to show text back then to like 300 spoken things and then the rest is text to 9000 um yeah. so it flies but um but for the most part you would never really hear speaking at all because 
it was too compressed to be on a Nintendo thing at the time. Um, And that's like, that's really where there's a, there's a select few people and composers that like stayed with franchises all the way through. Um, Like, so the guy that started Final Fantasy was writing the first Final Fantasies on like the Nintendos and stuff like that. Um, And he said it was really cool when he started and he's writing these things and he has three sounds and then they would come to him and be like, so we're going to do this. It's on a new system. It's a Super Nintendo. Now you get 16 sounds. And it was like a, it was like a big deal to the point that, I mean, it gets to where it gets to and it's like full symphonies and stuff like that. But from a, uh, from an, an 8-bit Nintendo perspective, they couldn't do dialogue at all. So you were only hearing sounds. Yeah. And I think that's also why they're so, like, I mean, even the sounds in and of themselves are iconic. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I was, um, so my sister, like I mentioned, she does a lot of gaming and she goes to, to MAGFest every year. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing some reading on on that and, like, I was reading, they do, like, complete like dance parties basically with just chiptune music because there's people who specialize in just creating that kind of music and sometimes they're like raves or whatever so they you know like put it together with now new different and current styles but like it it's iconic to the point where people like love it and want to interact with it aside from the video game and i think part of the reason it became as iconic as it did was because when you think about it from the perspective of again, we said like silence is kind of damaging in it. Mm-hmm. And also the sounds were very like, it was, cause it wasn't real instruments. It was processed. It was like technological sounds. So if you put drone or you put anything that sustains it, it, it feels very artificial really quickly. It sounds like a, it sounds like something's breaking. You know what I mean? Like if you just hear that, that digital yeah. drone laying there. So all of them were really short sounds. So it, unintentionally lended itself well to um more like upbeat and exciting kind of style so the mario theme that we all know very often is like a samba or a latin kind of idea that goes because it was strictly the bass the deep dump dump is this like kind of latin clave feel yeah well i was listening to um the hang on to your hat album that um i had sent you the other night and i was doing some reading about that so for those of you who might not know, um, again, as I, was, as I was researching, it turns out that this album called Hang On To Your Hat came out, I guess, just last week, like maybe last, last Friday or Thursday or something. And it's a whole album of Nashville jazz musicians that played these really cool arrangements of, I believe it was like Mario Nintendo 64. Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, and I was reading it and then I was also comparing it to the originals because I was curious to see what the originals sound like. And I was actually shocked at how similar they sounded and how like almost jazzy the the original chiptune music was. It was it, really um, cool. It's really neat in terms of how they do it. And the, they write them in such a way that there's cool covers and things like that they can do. And they can always do neat covers with stuff. But it's um, they really did write styles back then. The, yeah. Uh, the water one is it's a waltz and it's like impossible to not interpret as a waltz because the bass underneath the whole time you just hear this doom dump dump doom dump dump doom the whole time and it feels very floaty as it goes um the other one we talked a little bit before as we started um was Mega Man because that was another big nintendo one but i i was thinking in terms of like your uh 
how it transfers to to more modern music now. Um, Mega Man was not actually called Mega Man when it was first made. It was when it translated from Japan. It's actually Rock Man. So that's oh. um, so, but it was like like it was intended rock as in like style of music, not like a boulder. So like um, Dr. Light is like the main guy and his Mega Man is the one guy that he has, but then he has a female robot that like helps him out also. And her name is Roll. So it was rock and roll. Oh. Robots. <laughs> and then the dog's name is Rush. Oh, cool. Um, but so what happens is in every level of Mega Man, it's this sounds like a weird sentence to say, but it literally sounds like what would happen if you took a rock and roll song and compressed it down into three sounds at a time. So there's like these wild drum sounds and like really cool uh, licks and flares and stuff like that, that they wow. would do. And it was meant to basically model all of these, these moments and these stages off of like rock and roll music. That's kind of how it started. That's, I think that's so interesting, especially if it's, I mean, we're talking what, 80s, mid 80s for this? Early? Uh, yeah, mid to probably late. Okay. Yeah, I think that's so interesting, especially if it's coming out of Japan, like rock and roll is primarily a, uh, an English or an American style. But so that's really interesting. It was, there's some, there's some very cool and interesting stuff that comes out of it. And I do think that, um, because when it boils down to it, I think that to tie it a little bit back to what we were saying, when when you think about like how the melody can become so iconic, mm-hmm. like with three sounds is you really can, not to simplify like what we do or musically what we do, but you can simplify things down to those components, like in terms of that kind of like Latin or jazzy feel, if you have that kind of upbeat accent as it yeah. goes, it, it just really nicely and calmly... Uh, turns itself into that as it goes so it's um it'd be very interesting to watch composers nowadays have to write for that to see if they could express their music in that way yeah that would be interesting and you know what maybe we should ask uh christopher tin on on thursday like maybe that's a good question to throw his way um because i would imagine with the amount of creativity that these people have, they would be able to do something with it. But obviously when you're given a full orchestra of, you know, however many, 80, 90, 100 people, that's all of those different sounds times, you know, however many, so. And I think, I think that's the coolest part too, is listening to those. I would agree. I think we should ask, we should ask uh, Christopher Tin to see what he says in terms of it, because like, um, as much as I would love to see, I would love to see two things, modern day people go back and try and do it. And then I also love, we've had a chance to see this in some of the regards. I love watching the people that originally wrote the chiptune music, see their music or help their music get expressed in an orchestral sense, because there are, I mean, there are orchestral arrangements of Mario now. Um, And I mean, even this, the, we'll talk about this one probably a little more tomorrow, but even Zelda to an extent, like Zelda started on Nintendo also. Um, And that one almost more than Mario, like when you listen to it in an orchestral sense, there's this, there's this awesome video of, um, I think they just had their 25th year anniversary of Zelda. Maybe. Uh, When I say just, I am losing track of my own 
life timeline so it's probably <laughs> when i say just it was like six years ago probably <laughs> it's awesome it's like an orchestra recording the the main zelda theme the hyrule field theme in a church so the acoustics are really nice and things like that but when you listen to it it's one of those where you listen to it and you it's not this is a cool arrangement of this theme it's this is what it sh this is what it meant to be it was meant to be the entire time they just had to fit it on an 8-bit thing um you know, that's interesting because my question I was about to ask you was, so when we do arrangements, like for example, when like um, we do a composition project or whatever, and oftentimes kids immediately go, I want to arrange a video game thing. So like they'll do, um, you know, like the Wii music or um, they'll do like the Mario theme, things like that. And they try to imitate exactly that chiptune sound on their acoustic you know, cello or violin or whatever. Do you think we should be like, when we do these arrangements, should we pulling it, be pulling it out of that style or? I think that, um, I think for younger people trying to arrange or compose or orchestrate, I think one of the hardest things is in a weird way, we always, even if we can't handle it mentally yet, we try and overcomplicate way too much um, to almost, I bet you, you would get a better idea of um, you get a better idea of an arrangement of that kind of piece if they wrote with pizzicato strings and just like three of them. Yeah. Um, because I think we try and we try and overcomplicate it, or the sheer sound of an acoustic instrument um, makes certain things like the Mario theme sound not the way we know it or we intend it to be because there's just more noise to it. Than we're used right, to. but what you just said was that when you hear like the Zelda thing played in a church, right? That's the way it was intended to be. Do you think the Mario theme song was ever intended to be played in like with a full orchestra, or do you think? I don't. I don't know. So that? I think, I think that part of it, and this this almost leans more into the storytelling thing too, because I think that, um, there like at at its core, Mario is getting from point A to point B um to save the princess or do this or whatever but you're going from the left and getting to the right and that's basically what you're doing the entire time yeah. and it's it's not that um it's not that zelda can't be boiled down into like a simple story either but but it was more open in terms of what you did so you were yeah. less like in the just the sheer design of mario and mario music at the start it was because there's actually so each level's timed too and it's like i think it's yeah. I think it's three minutes. I think it's 180 is the time that it's on. And then when it gets under, when it gets within like X amount of time, it speeds up as it plays. Yeah. Um, it's meant to be this like three minute encapsulation of it. So I think, I don't necessarily know if that's how, if it was intended to be turned into like a symphonic thing. Um, it has been, it's been interpreted that way because of uh like as the games got a little more complicated, they have like a B theme that goes to the main theme and they have the underground and the underwater and they can turn them into those things. But they feel a little, a little less realized I, from my perspective, in my opinion, I think they sound less realized than when I listen to like a Zelda orchestra or uh, a Zelda symphonic work or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, so I happen to agree with you, um, which is, I was just curious on your opinion, but um I almost feel like the genius of the whole Mario thing was that it 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 came out of the the 
the technology that they had. And so it is so iconic because it is so simple and it is this particular style and it was meant to be in that style so that when we take it and expand it, it doesn't have that same effect that it does when it's just in its basic original form. I don't I also, no, and I also think that maybe the, the other end of that is it's kind of, I, I think the music, it serves different purposes in different yes. things that it's doing. I, the one we always, I, I come back to this one all the time. I don't know why, but like I had a, we were talking about um, movie music in one of my classes once yeah. and we were talking about John Williams and we were talking about Jurassic Park and like that moment that uh, they all see dinosaurs for the first time. It's like the brontosaur and it like reaches up and grabs the other tree and I had a kid one day say, I don't know what it's like to meet a dinosaur, but this song sounds exactly <laughs> like what I imagine you would hear if you met one. And that, like, that to me is like a perfect yeah. description of it. So like the story told in Zelda is like a larger uh, scope. So it was, the music served its purpose and the music became iconic because that theme has persisted, but it wasn't like fully realized in that frame. Whereas... Yeah, okay like Mario's purpose is to hop around, jump around in these little snippets of moments. So maybe the music was almost more suited. His music yeah. was more suited for that moment in time. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think actually we're going to touch on some of this tomorrow because um, I don't know if you had taken a look at the notes, but like a lot of this also happens in um, Animal Crossing now. So yeah. Like with the time changes, the music changes, and um, I think there's also some stuff about Zelda on there. So um, I think it's interesting, a little sneak peek for tomorrow that you bring that up. It's, I, I think that um, it lends to, it all ties together in certain ways. I mean, and yeah, I think as I was looking at this stuff, I keep thinking a lot back to um, our conversation with Scott Schreer specifically, mm -hmm. just this idea of like, of making and creating uh, to like the product that you're making in that way, because there's certain, um, and there's, I mean, especially now, like video games exist in a million different ways. Like there's things that you play, like you play games or matches or something online that last a grand total of like five minutes. The music, like in that moment when you're like, when it's like 50 people versus 50 people, I don't want to hear a symphony. Like right. <laughs> you want some like you want one guitar like one cool guitar riff that just like yeah. goes nuts for the duration of what you're trying to do and like amps up your energy. So I think that maybe um, that's probably why Mario, in and of itself as a game and as a theme and things like that musically, are more iconic to Nintendo back then. Yeah. Than Zelda might be because it just wasn't there yet in terms of it. Um, so from a storytelling perspective it really it the purpose of the mario music is to get you from point a to point b and it does it so well that um it'd be cool to see like a you know jimmy kimmel does those like he asks people on the street yeah like quiz questions just to see it would be cool if you would ask people to like sing a mario theme or like what sound does like a coin make in mario and see how many people yeah just by sheer like how iconic it is could do it it'd be interesting it it would and i just think i th I mean, I've said it probably already, but like, I think that's the genius in it. Like it is so simple. And that's what I found so interesting when I was reading through all of this again, it was just, they were given so little and yet it became an earworm for the whole world. Like, And 
and I mean, we're a lot of what we're doing this week is kind of framing this whole idea of starting towards the beginning and working our way farther in terms of right. games as an art form or storytelling or things like that. And I think that this is partially where they get not a bad rap, but they get kind of a, a, a misinterpretation because um, like the purpose, the purpose is what it was. It, the purpose was to just be in this moment for three minutes, listen to a little tiny song that plays with it while you do it and you move on to the next thing. And it's, um, this sounds like I'm like being mean or generalizing those people, but like, you know, I, people look at it and go, oh, this is dumb. Why are you wasting your time with this? But like from a nostalgia perspective, it captured exactly what it was supposed to in that moment. Um, and I think that stigma kind of followed it for a long time and still follows it to an extent. So we don't necessarily fully appreciate um, we don't always fully appreciate like video games as an art form of storytelling or things like that in terms of the way it can be appreciated yeah. necessarily. So, and that's, we'll definitely dive more into that as we keep going because that's by no fault of Mario or anything at the beginning of it. That, <laughs> that really is a product of technology has gotten so much better that like we, we can, we can have, you couldn't put music that you can do now into Mario then. It just wouldn't have happened. Right. So. Yeah. Interesting. So do we have anything else that we want to chat about for 8-bit and chiptune music? I don't think so. I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing is just the, um, and it can be tied back to the whole idea of composition or arranging and things like that. There's, there's yeah. a, a beauty and a comfort in the simplicity of it. Yeah, that's a nice and, way to put it. And sometimes not overcomplicating is the key to making something iconic or really work and click. Yeah. And in terms of it. Again, that's a nice, really nice tie back to what Scott Schreer was saying and telling kids like, that's the way people latch, latch onto things. Yep. So. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's clearly, the latching has clearly happened in a Mario perspective yeah. because <laughs> I mean, how far out are we and people still haven't forgotten it so yeah it's really sure. cool yeah so go check out some 8-bit and chiptune music guys and uh we'll be back tomorrow with more video game stuff yes we have a tomorrow's kind of a hodgepodge tomorrow is a um tomorrow is looking at it's going to be Marissa and I still, so we have the perspective of plays too many video games and hasn't experienced many video games <laughs> and we're also going to um introduce someone into conversation who has less musical experience and more just a video game enjoyment perspective just to see what they think about it as well. Yeah. So it'll be so. fun. Tune in yep. tomorrow. All right. Say bye, Kevin. Bye, Kevin. <laughs>